Welcome to Untangle, the podcast from Meditation Studio. I'm Patricia Karpus. In this series, we introduce you to real people with extraordinary stories and experts who share how meditation and mindfulness practices change our lives. Our podcast is brought to you by Meditation Studio, Apple's pick as one of the 10 best apps of the year. You can download the app in the App Store or on Google Play for under $4 and you get over 200 meditations from 30 expert teachers. Such a small investment to sleep better, feel less anxious, and to be more focused and productive. Your one-time purchase of the app helps to keep our podcast going. Give it a try. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We love having you with us. Today, I interview Travis Barton, popular LA life coach who, in addition to coaching, inspires his large Twitter following with great ideas, insights, and wisdom. He shares why it's so important to find your purpose and passion without being influenced by societal pressures. Travis wants you to ask your heart what it wants to do, and then ask yourself, what would you do if happiness paid the bills? His big message, don't hit the snooze button in your life. Do what makes you come alive. And of course, he shares how meditation has helped him along the way. Now, here's Travis. Travis Barton, welcome to Untangle. Uh, How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to have a life coach on the program today because we have lots of questions for you. Ah, great. Well, I'm excited to be on here. Absolutely. Meditation is definitely a big, big, big part of my life. So this is yeah. going to be pretty exciting for me. Been great. looking forward to it. Good, 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 good. Well, I, let's tell um, some folks about your background. Why don't you give us a little bit of the A to Z of Travis Barton? I've been coaching, doing life coaching and business coaching for about five years now. And it's just, it's, it's always been in my heart to, to help people light their life on fire and just live with purpose and live like they meet it instead of surviving. So in a nutshell, that's not only what I do, but that's who I am. When we initially talked and, you know, you sort of put it as you like to help people discover their life's purpose and to find Mm -hmm. their true north. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's such an awesome purpose in and of itself. Uh, How did you come to this as a profession? You know, it was always in me as a kid. I was always that kid that was just, it was all about positivity and possibility. And it just, I I never let go of that childhood kind of optimism and and spirit. And so it was always something growing up, you know, when everybody else is finding work and and everything like that and settling into desk jobs or whatever they do. Right. I I always committed to not settling. I, I, I don't settle for anything. And if that took me to discover my purpose until I was 50 years old, I was okay with that. I had to move forward in a, in a direction that was productive to finding that purpose. And it, I was uh, bartending on a shift and this guy, George Joyce, was sitting at the bar and we we're sharing travel stories for my entire shift. And then I asked him at the end, what do you do for work that, that you get to travel the world like this? And he goes, I help people live their dreams. Everything came together and I went, that's it. I don't know what that's called. I don't know what this does. I don't know how much schooling I need to do this, but whatever it takes to do this, I'm going to do this. That's so funny. So it sounds like you had a great childhood, not a lot of like trauma or 
you know, upset growing up. Did you ever think that you wanted to be something else or were you, I, I don't know what I want to be, but I know I have to love it and it has to, you know, kind of be helping other people's dreams come true. I knew I had to love it. You knew I, you had I, to I did. Love it. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, as a kid, every kid, I, I wanted to be, <laughs> I think my first dream, I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. And then I was like, oh, I can't be a turtle. Well, and then I was like, I'll be a detective. And then I wanted to be the president of the United States. And then I wanted to be an astronaut. And, you know, and then, you know, those are childhood dreams. And then I went through school and, and everything and nothing stimulated me. Nothing excited me. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't see much in the way of going, waking up and not hitting the snooze button 10 times. And when did you actually start meditating? Yeah, so it was on and off for a number of years. And I would do it one day and then and not do it. I was really intense with it one day and then I wouldn't do it for a few days. And that's just how it went for so many years. But it really consistently and making it a daily part of my life about a few years ago. And that's when I really, really noticed the, the change in my life. And and even if I wasn't able to do it for 20 minutes or 15 minutes a day, I just I, I committed to it to do at least five minutes. What shifted? What what all of a sudden having done it sort of on and off in a maybe a little bit of a you know, free flowing kind of way, what shifted that made you want to do it more often, more rigorously with more discipline? That's a great question. I was really into in my mid 20s to late 20s, doing these things that I even uh, challenge my clients to It's called the 30 day challenge. And that's what do you want to do? It could be something fun. It could be something silly. Um, it could be something really meaningful. And you have to promise me to commit to it for 30 days. And that's it. So do it, do it. If it's five minutes a day, do it. And if it's, and if it's, you know, if it takes an hour a day, do it, but you have to commit to that. And so I was really into these 30 day challenges and I learned how to be conversational in Spanish before I went to Costa Rica. I learned how to play the didgeridoo. I learned how to stop drinking soda, you know, by committing to these 30 day challenges. And the most meaningful one would perhaps be, I committed to meditating every day for 30 days. And so the shift happened probably within 10 days of that 30 day challenge and seeing kind of how I felt and how I began to view the world. And so seeing the, the growth, I guess, no, no matter how small that I went, Oh, okay. There's something, there's something here. So it was, it was basically committing myself to do it no matter what it took. And then after that, it just, I was on fire. Talk about some of the benefits that you started feeling after 10 days. And, and I asked that because we get reviews for meditation studio for our app all the time. And I'm always so excited when people have immediate results, either they talk about their anxiety being reduced and they're sleeping for the first time through the night. And it's just really from starting a practice. So I'm always interested to hear people's, you know, reactions after just meditating for a really short time. Cause I do think some of the results can happen pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the smallest results have the biggest impact, at least in my case. I noticed I was more, um, I guess, initially within that first 10 days, I was a better active listener. I was better at listening to people, which is interesting because that's a foundational element of what I do in coaching. So and that, that was kind of the initial change, I think, for me. Never mind what's happened to me over the last few years. I mean, yeah. through, through just the simple practice of sitting and being mindful. It's just been you talked to Travis three years ago, and I, I wasn't completely different, but I was, you know, I, I'm much more, 
oh, that sounds so ridiculous and cheesy, but yeah, like Zen, I guess, and just much more in tune with who I am and my purpose. And I'm just discovering so much about myself even now um, moving forward. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's like one of my favorite things to do now. Probably is my favorite thing to do. What kind of meditation are you doing? Zen meditation, mindful meditation. I've, I've been curious. I've tried the mantra stuff and, you know, the, the, the mala beads. I wear mala beads to remind me of my practice, but I don't use them as for mantras or anything like that. But yeah, Zen meditation has been my, uh, my go-to. And it's just, I feel very mindful of my place in the world and I'm getting chills and just kind of, uh, you know, being a part of the universe and, and being, being, you know, a manifestation of, 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 of the world and, and nature in, in a beautiful way. It's just kind of hit home so many times for me while meditating. So I think that's my, that's my go-to. I'm open to other things, you know, I'm still, I'm still want to go to a retreat at some point, maybe in Thailand or something like that. But uh, yeah, for now, that's what I've been doing and seeing growth and doing that. How do you uh, use meditation in your coaching practice? Do you, do you teach it with your clients or do you recommend it or what's your, what's your process for that? Well, so the way I coach, it's about uh, bringing out my client's wisdom. So I, I never give advice unless they ask for it because mm-hmm. that's the end. Most people don't take anybody's advice anyway. They compl- you know, they complain about something and then they go like, you know, what do you think about that? What should I do? And you'll tell them and it can be the greatest advice ever. And then they would ne- they go, you know, they complain about it again the next week and you go, did you take my advice? They go, no. The powerful part of coaching is leading and open questions and helping them come to their own conclusions. But I do have clients that go, yeah, I really know you meditate. Can you kind of show me how to how to do that? You know, I'm really interested. And then, of course, yeah, we'll have a whole session on teaching you how to meditate. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep on it. It's had a, such a dramatic shift in my life that I, I'm. if you ask about it, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. Well, I love how it's being integrated in so many different areas, education, in healthcare, at work. And so I, you know, I think more and more people are seeing the benefits of it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's hugely important. If everybody in the world meditated, can you imagine? The, the big thing about meditation is that it just makes us much more compassionate when we're not meditating. So I love all these different practices like gratitude practice and compassion practices, loving kindness practices. They all kind of teach us in different ways what's important about meditation. And it's a practice, you know, it's just something sitting for 20 minutes a day. That's not the end of it. It's, it's the practice. It's like, it's like working out, yeah. building the muscle so you can be stronger throughout the day. You know, so it's something you should be taking with you the rest of the day. You talk a lot about people having success on their own terms. How do you teach your clients to really think about their own sort of purpose and how they would define success for themselves? You know, it's really interesting because every client's different. Um, some clients, some clients it might take a couple months. Some clients it's, it's, a, it's with one question and <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm dead serious. But what I work on first is eliminating the barriers that maybe societal pressures or people around you have have placed upon you. So getting rid of those shoulds and getting into what your heart's asking you to do. That's the huge first step because we can grow up and and we're told, you know, we're supposed to get a nine to five and make a lot of money, sell ourselves for money and do all these things. And and so we're so conditioned to, to go down that road. And it's such a sadness because we don't, we're conditioned to find a career for the rest of our lives 
before we even know who we are. So my initial job is to, is to break down those barriers, limiting beliefs, breaking down those societal pressures, the shoulds of your life and asking, you know, when it comes down to it, what do you want? Like, what are you passionate about? If your happiness paid the bills, what would you do with the rest of your life? And it's so funny. I can ask that question to you, anybody right now. And I get this 95% of the time. If I say, if your happiness paid the bills, what would you do with the rest of your life? And people would say like, I don't know, I'd be an archaeologist, but I can't make any money doing that. And I'm like, you didn't answer the question. I want you to just answer, you know, what would you, what would you do? And then, you know, if, what you're passionate about, what you're fired up about doing. And then we work backwards and figure out how to make money doing it. And let's be honest, if you're passionate about it and you love it, you can make money doing it. And so that's the question is, is defining what makes you come alive. I don't want you hitting the snooze button 10 times and and, and driving to work and, and waking up at 40 years old and going, what happened to my life? You know, what happened? I want to know what makes you come alive because the world, in my opinion, needs what makes you come alive. We need that. And I think we need it desperately. How do we get to that place? So I, I know, you know, getting in touch with your heart. If someone comes to you and they've never really thought in that way before so they've got a lifetime of someone saying to them you should be a lawyer or you should be a teacher you should be this or that and they've never really spent the time to think about what makes them come alive or even separate like so maybe surfing makes me come alive but you know I'm not a great surfer or something you know how do you find that balance between what your heart wants and what is good to do or what you might love to do every day you can't read your way to discovering your purpose. You know, you can't read a blog or watch a video. You have to be engaged in life and you have to be engaged in ideally your passions. And if you're not passionate about something, I make you commit to being engaged in your interests. So through action in our interests and our passions, we will discover our purpose. So most people only dream of going skydiving. They only dream of going to Africa. They only um, you know, dream of asking that girl out or that guy out. Um, so what I have you do is commit to doing it. I have you commit. Let's go. Let's go to Africa. Let's, let's ask that girl or guy out. Let's let's be commit. So you might not find it initially through that engagement in, in your interest, but through the engagement in your interest, you're going to be at a positive space in life. Number one, to be able to be more open to discovering your purpose, and secondly, maybe through and and. Oftentimes, through the engagement of your interests and your passions, there might be another road that leads somewhere else. And you go, oh, I didn't see that before. And you wouldn't have seen it if you weren't engaged in that interest. But you see that and you go, oh, that's, that looks interesting. I'll go down that road. It can be as simple as reading what you're interested in and, and saying, oh, that interests me. And then going, I'm going to be engaged in that. I'm going to do it. Like I had a guy, I had a client a year ago. He, he was talking about skydiving. The longest time he kept talking about skydiving for like a month and i said okay you're gonna go skydiving this week send me the invoice when you're done he, he fell in love with it and this is something that he was just so just thought about for years and he fell in love with it and now through that he's he's found his passion in teaching people skydiving that's fun i mean i think this yeah. is also why you love travel so much Yep, that's it. And while there's great books about Japan, you know, you can't read and understand Japan. You have to be there. And let me tell you, like, for example, Japan changed, changed a huge part of my life. 
I've read about certain philosophies, Japanese philosophies, but being there and being engaged in it, wow, that resonated with me. Going to Nicaragua changed my life. Going to all these places dramatically changed my life. You know, being engaged and all that's great, but you also kind of see how different cultures live. And so you're saying, wow, I remember going to um, all these places and going, wow, like, you know, what I've been conditioned to believe about the world is not true in different places. It's not true in Japan. It's not true in Iceland. It's not, it's not true in Costa Rica, you know? And so it kind of opened your eyes to go, I'm a human being. I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily confined by the walls that are the societal pressures, cultural pressures that America has put on me. You know, I can, I can do maybe what these people are doing. You know, that's interesting, right? Wow, there's a, there's a world of possibility here, a world of it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, it's really getting out of this fixed mindset. You know, so many people grow up with there's one way to do things. And the minute you start traveling, your world just opens up so completely. And it is really, you know, sort of moving from a fixed mindset into a growth mindset when you travel. It just expands your world so much. You mentioned to me in our um, earlier conversation that you spent some time at a Buddhist temple when you were in Japan. I know you fell in love with Japan. And um, how did that how did that change you or affect you? There's a piece of my heart in every country I've visited. It's so interesting. People say, what's your favorite country you've ever visited? And I go, I don't know, all of them. In Japan, there was a number of philosophies that really stuck with me. And I guess the one that's kind of apropos to our discussion today would be uh, Ikigai, which is your reason for being. What's it called? Can you say that again? Ikigai, if you can Google it, uh, I-K-I-G-A-I. And there's this, there's this quadrant of four circles. And, you know, we won't get too much into it today, but it's a huge part of what I do. Just a part of it, but a huge part. And that's, you know, asking, what do you love? No barriers. What do you love? No judgment. And then what does the world need? You know, what are you good at? And what can you be paid for? So the main question here is, what do you love? And then we can discover through what you love, what does the world need? And then we can discover um, how you can be paid for it. Not can you. I don't ask, can you be paid for it? Because initially, almost everybody says, no, probably not. So I always ask, how can you be paid for it? And then guess what? There's a million different reasons or ways. And then I, and if they're not good at it, we say, how can you be good at it? How can you be the best at this thing? And then through that, there's kind of this, you know, this program that, that, that I've kind of developed with that in mind with the Ikigai in mind. So learning about Ikigai was huge for me going to Japan. Awesome. Wow. There's a number of other things too. I've learned a lot about happiness there. Um, actually all over the world, happiness. Talk to me about that because you, you've written a lot about um, these practices to be mm -hmm. happier. And I want to know mm -hmm. how you, first of all, define happiness um, and also, you know, what are some of these practices that help us to really be more happy or live more meaningful lives, I would say. I've personally discovered through travel, through years of travel, personally. And and I have this, you know, and it just came together so beautifully. Um, I went, I guess the first big trip I ever took out of country was in Nicaragua. And I remember driving on the side of the road and I passed by this town full of tents and people living in tents. And I immediately went, oh my God, that is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. And these people, you know, just living like this. And then I saw this little kid on the side of the road, and he was playing with this plastic grocery bag. I'll never, I couldn't see his face initially. And I went, oh my God, this kid, he has no toys, he has nothing. He's playing with a grocery bag. Are you kidding me? 
And as we drove by, I can see his face. And I'm getting chills again because I always do every, every, every time I tell this story. And, and uh, this kid had the biggest smile on his face I'd seen in a long, like, I'm not kidding you, like that authentic, you know, that real smile. And he's playing with his grocery bag. And I go, what does this kid have that billionaires have that are driving Maseratis and have nice houses on the beach that look utterly miserable? The big answer for me was gratitude and the, the idea of wanting what you already have, not of having what you want. And so that, that was a lesson that I took with me after that. And then I went to Japan and I found this bowl in, in kind of a, this shop and it was, it was this black bowl lined with gold. You know, it looked cracked, but it, it had been repaired using gold lining. And the philosophy and the art was called kintsukuroi, which means more beautiful having been broken. Perspective was after Japan. So I had gratitude from Nicaragua, I learned profoundly, profoundly. And then I had perspective in Japan. And then I went to Denmark when I was there. The sun was not shining very much. I think it was like four hours only a day. You know, they're the happiest country in the world, supposedly, right? Denmark. So I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in the, like, the best place for happiness to learn about it. And I asked this guy in my hostel, and I said, how do you remain so happy all the time? Because you're the happiest country in the world. But, you know, in, in most countries, people would just complain about it being dark all the time and being miserable, you know? And he goes, Travis, if you don't feel like smiling, try to smile. He goes, do it right now. He goes, smile. And so, and I'm like, I felt funny. And he goes, just smile, like smile. And I started to smile and I felt really funny for a couple you know, seconds. And I started to really feel happy. And, he, and I started to kind of laugh with the guy. And we were like, and I'm going, holy cow, this, this guy's onto something. You know, just smile when you don't feel like it. So, so happy, he, he taught me that happiness doesn't make you smile all the time. Sometimes just smiling will make you happy. So I had gratitude, positive perspective, and I had smile and I went, so I wrote, I remember writing it down in my journal, all these things, gratitude, perspective, smile. And I went like, holy cow, you know, this spells out GPS. So then I wrote, you know, if I can't find the road to happiness, I can always follow my GPS. You also talk about in some of your, your blogs and videos about anxiety. What are some ways that, that we can deal with anxiety that you've learned? For me, was to be proactive in life, to not let life define me, but for me to define my life. So following my interests, deciding to surf every day, to meditate, um, to be outdoors in nature, to be positive-minded. And so be proactive in life and solution-oriented solution to my challenges, so not problem-oriented, not focusing on the problem, but focusing on the solution. So if I would have felt anxiety coming on, I would say, okay, what am I anxious about? So a very pragmatic approach. What am I anxious about? And I would go, you know, I'm like, I'm anxious. And I'll go, oh, well, nothing. I'm not really anxious about anything. Like, there's nothing on my mind particularly. I'm just having this moment. And then sometimes that would help just to know that there's nothing that I was anxious about. The second thing was, if, if there was something I was anxious about, I would, I would choose and commit not to focus on the problem, but to focus on the solution to the problem. And I would often find that there was often a very simple solution to that problem I was facing, and that would help my anxiety. But that's not quite it. The breathing. So the meditation had taught me a lot about breathing. So I would, um, and I've actually taken it to a new level now. There was a doctor I saw a video on YouTube doing, and I've tried this instead now, which is to breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven seconds, and breathe out through your mouth for eight seconds and do that four times. Now you do that four times, 
and you're in a much better place, much better place to be, to be solution oriented. We've talked about this uh, a bit already, but you know, how do you help your clients create balance in life? And, and I also want to talk about, is that one of the big challenges that people come in with, or is it more about like how to find their purpose in life? But once you've found your purpose, how do you find balance, or how do you think about that optimal balance? And you say optimal balance, and that's, that's exactly what I call it, optimal balance. And I have five, think of a pie chart. And so if, if you're at home and you're listening to this, draw a circle and make five pieces of pie. And I want you to write down in each of those pieces of pie, mind, body, heart, riches, and play. So your mind is your spirituality, your knowledge, it's, it's, it's your happiness. Your body is, of course, your health and your nutrition. Um, your exercise, your heart is love life, relationships, family, um, friends, uh, riches would be career, finances, and play, of course, is hobbies, recreation, travel, whatever. So what I'll have a client do is on a one to 10, just tell me, just, you know, no judgments, just what do you, what are you in each of these quadrants? One, completely miserable in it and completely unfulfilled in it. And 10, you're through the roof. And through all the people that I've worked with in the world, we'll just do that, no judgments. And, I, and I'll say, what, you know, what do you have? And I notice most people feel really unbalanced when they're at like about a 34 or below, a total score, if you add all the score up. And most people feel really balanced if they're at about a 35 or above. And this, you know, this fluctuates, obviously this isn't a set law, but um, that's just kind of how, you know, I've seen it in my own experience. And so there's always room for growth. So all optimal balance would be saying, having a 10 at all these things. So a lot of people, what they do, especially with setting goals, they come to me and they have these goals and they go, Oh my God, I'm stressed out working for it. It's because they're imbalanced. And I say, of course you're, you're miserable right now. You're focused. You're at it like a nine in riches, right? But your, your, your family and your love life and all these things, you're at like a two. So what goals can we set in these areas that are lacking small goals so that you can have more balance in your life? So if you're at like a two in heart and you're at a three in body, let's get that heart up to a three and let's get that body up to a four this week. How are we going to do it? What small steps can we take? And over time, and it's not about being intense too. I'm not saying, you know, let's, let's get that heart up to a 10 this week. No, because you get intense and then you get overwhelmed and there's too much happening. Let's get it up one level every week. And then next week we'll work on the body. Let's get that up one more level. And then over time, you're going to have the sense of balance in your life through just setting, being cognizant of, of, of that formula and setting, setting small goals every single week to create more of an optimal balance. Yeah. This is what I love about coaches uh, versus therapists in a way. <laughs> I, I think they're both great for different purposes in your life, but I love how with coaching, you tend to be much more action oriented and that makes so much sense. This is great. Is there any, anything else you wanna share with us? Meditate, 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 meditate. If there's anything that you take away from anything that I can teach you or coach you on, it is this, sit every single day. Make it a part of your life. Love it. I love the way you say that too, quiet your mind and listen to your heart. Um, yeah. I think we all have a difficult time doing that sometimes. Thank you so much for being with us today. Fantastic. It was my, my pleasure. Thanks so much to Travis. You can find out more about him on his website, travisbartonlife.com. And if you have feedback or suggestions for guests, email.
email us at patricia at meditationstudioapp.com. And don't forget to check out Meditation Studio in the App Store or on Google Play. We'll see you next week.